edition of With All Due Respect. Strong opinions on politics, life, and entertainment. Welcome to another episode of With All Due Respect, the podcast that, quite frankly, was stunned to recently learn that the captain of the Captain and Tennille was not a real captain. No, not a real captain. Apparently, the dude just thought he looked cool in a captain's hat. So to recap, Captain Crunch, not a real captain. Captain Kangaroo, not a real captain. Captain Steubing, not a real captain. So basically, if you grew up in the 1970s, your entire childhood was a lie. Greetings, I am Andrew Howcrow, your host for this podcast. With me, as always, is my main man, my chief collaborator, the co-host with the most, Mr. Van Sanders. Mr. Sanders, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing okay. Um, slowly but surely working on uh, ideas for the podcast that were mentioned in the last episode. Um, it's going to take a little bit of time, maybe more than a little bit, and a lot of work, but... Once it's off the ground, uh, it's going to be wild and super fun. So, yeah, slow, steady progress to get it right. Most excellent. The work has begun. Cut! Let's try that line again, this time without the creepiness. Action! Excellent. The work has begun, ladies and gentlemen. As always, I'd like to thank the Anchorage Daily News for hosting this podcast and remind listeners that the very strong opinions you hear on this podcast are mine and mine alone and in no way, shape, or form represent the opinions of the Anchorage Daily News or their employees. Today on With All Due Respect, a straight dose of politics. Y'all just going to get yourself some pure local, state, and federal government level politics. We're taking you around the political world, baby. From Anchorage to Juneau to Washington, D.C. Hey, Andrew. Yes, sir. The baby store called, and they're running out of you. Or, I mean, babies. All right, I flopped on the jerk store, George Costanza joke. But, yeah, man, you're talking like George Costanza with all these babies. Well, Van, it is the summer of George, baby. Meanwhile, at City Hall, we're going to check in with Mayor Bronson in the Anchorage Assembly and look behind their strained relationship. Ain't no honeymoon happening here, my friends. It's more like the 1950 honeymooners starring Mayor Bronson as Ralph Cramden and the Assembly as Alice Cramden. One of these days, Alice, to the moon! In Juneau, we analyzed yet another stinging court loss for Governor Dunleavy. If Dunleavy had to put a dollar in the jar every time he tried to violate the Constitution, he himself could pay a pretty decent dividend. Also related this week, Dunleavy and his attorney general have decided women in Alaska just simply have too much control over their own bodies, and he wants the state to strip away those rights and put them in his hands. In Washington, D.C., we talk U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski, who continues to carry Alaska on her shoulders as her bipartisan effort results in $550 million of federal investment in Alaska's infrastructure. All right, let's talk some politics. Politics. And now... For some politics. 
Last week, tensions bubbled over during an Anchorage Assembly meeting, the city's chief executive and legislative branches crossing swords over the debate on a solution to the homeless problem. Mayor Dave Bronson is quickly realizing that campaigning is quite different than governing. There's a great old political saying, you campaign in poetry, but you govern in prose. There are three major issues I see in this back and forth. First issue, let's remember, the Assembly tried to take steps to address the problem last year, but things quickly went sideways with the public, which then open the door for Dave Bronson to become Mayor Dave Bronson. That's how democracy works, right? So let's not forget that we are here because Mayor Bronson promised there was a better way. Second issue, Mayor Dave Bronson's better way is fiscally irresponsible as currently planned. If the Anchorage Assembly were to approve the mayor's most recent proposal at a cost of anywhere from 22 to $30 million, there would be no money left to provide housing and treatment. You would have spent all of your available funds on a temporary shelter with no investment in critical transition services like housing and treatment. Then what? Then where are we on the homeless issue? I don't know. Maybe we should ask the anesthesiologist. I'll tell you what you have. You have a temporary shelter holding 400 to 800 people with nowhere to go from there. You would have successfully built a $30 million temporary navigation center with nowhere to navigate the homeless to. This is why the Assembly has said no. The third issue, I believe, is that Mayor Bronson has surrounded himself with people who are not qualified. If your transmission is broken, you don't hire a dentist. If you're trying to solve a decades-old problem of homelessness, you shouldn't hire an anesthesiologist. If you're trying to build a $20 million homeless shelter, you shouldn't hire an anesthesiologist. You should hire someone who is experienced and qualified. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a very clear explanation why the mayor's initial shelter proposal failed to muster even two votes. Because it was created by good people with good intentions, but without any experience or qualification. But ladies and gentlemen, this is why government is slow. It's designed to be slow. It's a public process that takes time and consensus building. While some might be frustrated at the lack of progress, I can assure you that others are grateful that these decisions take time and consensus building. Think about this. If the Assembly didn't table Mayor Bronson's initial proposal and just agreed to it carte blanche, taxpayers would have paid $30 million or more for a temporary facility that wouldn't have come close to accomplishing the goal. So, the path forward is clear for the Mayor's office and the Assembly to start collaborating. The collaboration process has been hampered by miscommunication and a lack of trust, but they've retained a facilitator to help them move forward. Also, the Mayor needs to recognize that he will have to compromise. One of my ongoing fears about the Bronson administration is with his chief of staff, Craig Campbell, being the vice chair of the Republican Party and given the party's keen interest in next year's assembly seats. Just how motivated will Bronson be to compromise? Does he genuinely come to the table or does the political calculus work best to delay and try and pin it on the assembly next year? It is definitely something worth watching. Turning our focus now to state government, last week a lawsuit by Alaska's Attorney General against the Legislative Affairs Agency was ruled unconstitutional by a state court judge. Surprise, surprise. Attorney General Treg Taylor sued the Legislative Affairs Agency after the House failed to adopt an effective date provision for the state budget. Now, while the state constitution allows a governor to take legal action in the name of the state... It, quote, shall not be construed to authorize any action or proceeding against the legislature. Okay, so how many times over the last three years has the judiciary branch slapped down Governor Mike Dunleavy's attorney general? I mean, th this has to make at least half dozen times or so, right? 
My question is, what's the job interview of the attorney general like under Governor Dunleavy? Ah, let's see. Law degree? Good. Practical experience as an attorney? Good. Oh, and a willingness to get spanked by the judiciary for failing to understand the same constitution we're going to swear you to uphold. Brilliant. Congratulations, Mr. Attorney General. So if failing to understand the constitution is a hireable offense, so must ignoring the constitution. Last week at the same time, Attorney General Taylor was getting schooled on the Constitution. He was busy trying to rewrite it. The state of Alaska joined 23 other Republican-led states in asking the U.S. Supreme Court to consider overturning Roe v. Wade, the landmark ruling that permits legal abortion in the United States. Meanwhile, Governor Mike Dunleavy would not comment on his attempt to strip women's rights. The Department of Law would not comment on their attempt to strip women's rights. And the Attorney General would not comment on his attempt to strip women's rights. Think about this. Dunleavy's first two attorney generals were sexual predators, and now his third attorney general is trying to take away a woman's most personal right, and none of these people have a damn word to say. The Department of Law under Dunleavy has been akin to the Gestapo, attacking the separation of powers, attacking the Constitution, attacking state employees, attacking companies owned by their political critics— Yes, not only attacking Alaskan companies owned by their political critics, but threatening innocent Alaskans with jail in pursuit of their political critics. The Department of Law under Dunleavy has become a circus of bad performers. Attorney generals who think their personal sexual conduct is above the law. An assistant attorney general who threatens innocent Alaskans with jail until his former boss who put him up to it resigns in disgrace. A department of law that has lost more cases and embarrassed itself in more ways while trying to take away more Alaskans' rights than any time in history. According to the gospel of Governor Mike Dunleavy, his administration covers up for a sexual predator, then tries to silence the victim, then he attempts to revoke all women's personal rights. Just another day in the attorney general's office until we elect a governor who has integrity and a moral compass that works. Finally, turning our focus to Washington, D.C., Alaska U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski was part of a 10-member group of Republicans and Democrats who helped fashion a huge federal package that will provide over half a billion dollars of investment in Alaska infrastructure. The proposal includes $550 million in new federal investment in infrastructure, like $4.3 billion for the state's highway system, money for bridge construction and upgrades, investment in broadband deployment, as well as tribal funding for broadband grants. And she secured efforts to reduce permitting timelines. Quote, we've really focused on ensuring that those parts of the country that have been under-resourced, that have a higher need, are receiving a level of funding that is just really quite unprecedented, Murkowski said. Allow me to recap what I just told you. Alaska U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski was part of a bipartisan coalition that just successfully negotiated a level of investment in Alaska that, quote, is just really quite unprecedented. So, on this unprecedented moment in history, where might our other U.S. senator be? While Lisa Murkowski has been at the table for weeks negotiating for the good of Alaska and then proudly announcing the unprecedented investment, where was our other U.S. senator, Dan Sullivan? Well, Sullivan was in his office making a social media video explaining why he voted against moving the infrastructure proposal forward. Now, this was just a simple procedural vote. 
It wasn't a vote on the package itself. It was a vote to consider the bill, purely procedural. Sullivan voted against moving a bill forward that would have delivered $550 million in direct investment to a state that desperately needs the investment, to rural regions that desperately need the investment. Please allow me to point this out. Dan Sullivan, who represents a state that was recently given the grade of D- for infrastructure by CNBC, the same network he regularly appears on, voted no on moving forward infrastructure improvements for Alaska. Why? Because he hadn't read the text of the bill, he said. Now, you might say, look, that seems prudent. Got to read the bill, right? But this was simply a procedural vote to move the bill to the floor, a simple procedural vote. It's done all the time before the actual vote on the actual bill. Now, let me paint a very realistic scenario happening in both Murkowski and Sullivan's office at the exact same time. First, we go to Murkowski's office. All her staff is gathered around the big table, and she begins. We got a deal for Alaska. And her staff says, oh, yeah. And Murkowski says, 550 million in infrastructure upgrades. And the staff goes, oh, hell yeah. Murkowski says, $4.3 billion for state roads. His staff goes, oh, Alaska's going to do some driving. Murkowski adds, not just that, but broadband, bridges, and streamlined permitting. And staff replies, oh, girl, that's unprecedented. Meanwhile, down the hall in Sullivan's office, gathered with his staff around the table, Sullivan says, I voted no on moving Alaska's infrastructure money forward. And his staff says, yes, Yes, Senator, because voting against three procedural motions and then finally voting for the actual bill means you can show that you only voted once out of four times with Biden. That will appease your far right base. So unlike Lisa Murkowski, who's up for re-election next year and conservatives bash her for voting four out of four times this process with Biden, you'll be able to say you only voted one out of every four times with Biden. And then you take credit for passing the bill. You do a victory lap around Alaska, even though you had absolutely nothing to do with it and actually voted against considering it. Sheer brilliance, sir. Now, personally, I'd like to think there was at least one staffer in Sullivan's office who suggested he walk down the hall and simply ask Murkowski about the deal before admitting on video that he was totally clueless about an unprecedented get for Alaska, thanks exclusively to Murkowski. And for those of us who remember the days of Ted Stevens working hand-in-hand with Lisa Murkowski, this shows the absolute failure of leadership that has been Dan Sullivan. Stevens would have been elbow-to-elbow at that table with Murkowski, representing what's best for Alaska and standing together announcing the great work they had accomplished working across party lines. But not Dan Sullivan. He was too busy bending his backbone into a pretzel, explaining why he voted against the $550 million deal Murkowski negotiated for Alaska on her own. With all due respect, Dan Sullivan doesn't belong in the U.S. Senate. He belongs at a men's warehouse where all the other empty suits hang out. Speaking about not belonging in the United States Senate, this past week, the Alaska Wildlife Trooper said they were investigating whether U.S. Senate candidate Kelly Shabaka illegally obtained a resident sport fishing license. Records indicate Shabaka, a leading challenger to incumbent Senator Lisa Murkowski, received a sport fishing license despite failing to meet the residency requirements. Well, well, well. Seems the U.S. Senate candidate who claims her opponent isn't Alaskan enough is now under investigation for illegally claiming to be an Alaskan. 
Her campaign's response was to blame the Kenai River Sports Fishing Association. Tim Murtaugh, a senior advisor to the Shabaka campaign and, like Shabaka, knows little or nothing about Alaska, said, quote, The event organizers asked if she had a current fishing license, and when she said she didn't, they issued her one. So, she's blaming the event organizer because she signed a legal document applying for a license where there is a penalty for making false statements. I don't want to speak for the Kenai River Sports Fishing Association, but I'm pretty sure they're not handing out fishing licenses like their anglers are on Oprah, and you get a fishing license, and you get a fishing license. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, this is a regulatory process that the state commonly audits, and false statements come with statutory fines. It's a process that required Shabaka to understand this when she signed on the line. So please tell me how someone who was in charge of the Department of Administration can't figure out basic fishing license paperwork and then blame someone else. I'd argue, and argue convincingly, that it's not someone who should be serving in the United States Senate. There is the music, ladies and gentlemen, and you know what that means. Our time is up. Please remember our podcasts are new every Thursday. You can subscribe to them on your favorite platform or certainly check them out on the Anchorage Daily News websites. Dan, how about throwing us your website details? Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, if you visit abodabobrand.com, that's A-B-O-D-A-B-O-B-R-A-N-D.com, you can see a little bit more about what I do and uh, touch base with me. That is our time, ladies and gentlemen, and we thank you for yours.